Hello and welcome to Chicks I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and today we are talking about the films Emma and Clueless. But first, let's catch up. <laughs> I think you should go first, since I okay. went first last time. I sure. Think. So, um, I have been watching a TV show that my dad recommended called How To with John Wilson. It's kind of difficult to describe, actually, but it's almost like a documentary series where John Wilson is a filmmaker who basically is recording stuff around him at all times. So his episodes kind of have a loose theme, um, all kind of instructional, like how to make small talk, how to improve your memory, um, like learning about scaffolding. Um, and he just has like this en- enormous bank of film footage from around New York City that he kind of stitches together and he does a voiceover. And it's like a weirdly touching humanist show, especially since it's centered in New York City. It was very emotional to watch for the first time and see so many people moving around New York City like pre-COVID um, in a way. And it's very funny as well. I, it's produced by Nathan Fielder. So it's kind of like that weird off kilter sense of humor, um, that everybody expects from him, but I've been really enjoying it. It's very strange. He, at one point goes to a conference of people who believe in the Mandela effect. Do you know about this? I I don't think so. It's like, you know how people got really crazed about the Berenstein versus Berenstain bears thing. Yes. So these people believe that it's an alternate rather than just thinking like, it's crazy. We all misremembered that they're like, there's an alternate universe and that they have like, we can remember something from the alternate universe. That's just slightly different. And that's the quote unquote Mandela effect. And it's so named because a lot of people apparently had a a memory of Nelson Mandela dying in the nineties, but he didn't die until like, I feel like the two thousands. And yeah. so that's why it's called the Mandela effect. Cause all these people were like, what? I thought he died. I have a memory of him dying anyway. So it's just like a very weird that's range so of topics. It is interesting, but they all seem crazy to me. Like <laughs> it seems like people who, if people were like deja vu is yes. time travel, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, rather than it just being like our brains are incredibly like weird and complex. And yeah. N- anyway. Um, so really enjoying that. That's on what? HBO. HBO. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, really good. And it also makes me want to like, it's so cool that he has like this database almost of I- images mm-hmm. that he, you never see him almost really. Cause he's constantly mm-hmm. just filming and you see his reflections, but it's really cool. It's like a cool film project kind of. I love when, um, things make me want to do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for real. And it's not, you know, it's not like art. He's not like, I don't know. It's really good. I recommend yeah. it. Um, just finished a book called weather by Jenny Offill. Really recommend it. Even though mm. it did kind of depress me. Uh, the premise very quickly is about this woman who lives in New York city around the 2016 election. And the, it's written in kind of like almost short vignettes about her day-to-day routine in her life. And she is the assistant for a professor who has a very successful podcast kind of about like doomsday and end of the world stuff regarding climate change. Um, and she answers the professor's emails. And so it's kind of just about like her inner life with her family and her son and her becoming more and more like obsessed with preparing for the end of the world. But it's, you know, it's like some really good realistic shit about climate change that is very <laughs> scary to read about and like how she wants to buy her son land in the middle of nowhere so he can survive like the climate riots that will happen wow. in 2040, you know, fun stuff like that, but really beautifully <laughs> well-written 
and really psyched me out. And at the end of the book, uh, Jenny Offill actually includes like notes of hope, like a link to a website where it's about like people who are doing things that are probably going to prevent the end of the world from happening, like big and small stuff. So I was like, I'm glad she put that at the end of the book because I was so it was kind of like the movie First Reformed, but about a woman in New York, like, okay, very similar plot and theme. And then the last thing I'm into is the new season of The Crown. I listened to the You're Wrong About podcast series on Princess Diana beforehand. So I went in like a bona fide Princess Diana expert. Like I was texting my friend and he was like, oh my gosh, did this really happen with Princess Diana? And I was like, yes. And it's worse than you even know. She <laughs> tried to kill herself like three or four times while married to Charles. She threw oh herself God. down the stairs while pregnant because she was oh. so fucking miserable. Anyway, really enjoy it. The Crown is just good prestige television and... It's probably pro monarchy, which is bad, but I can't help but like it. What are you into, Kens? Um, so I uh have recently learned because of anime TikTok that one of my uh favorite animes, Yuri on Ice, is getting a new movie. Oh soon. my gosh. I've heard and you talk about that. Yeah. So it's an anime about um two uh, men that are figure skaters and they fall in love and it's actually canon that they fall in love and i think that in a lot of animes they especially like sports animes they dance around the idea of like they hint at them being in love uh mm-hmm. a lot <laughs> but then it never they never close the deal <laughs> but in your eyes it's it's real love and um it's actually it's really beautiful and great animation and stuff and so anime tech talk is like a uh, in that there's a new movie That's about exciting. one of them as an mm-hmm. adolescent Ooh, like a like a backstory origin yeah. story yeah so and it was just like a little teaser of him figure skating <laughs> but very excited for that um to come out i'm not sure when but it's on my radar now and then the next thing I'm into is the show called Best Home Cook. And with I, Mary Berry? Yes, with Mary Berry. Your so girl. I heard about it on uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour. I think Linda talked about it. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't know already, like Great British Bake Off is like my favorite show. <laughs> and so I'm <laughs> always trying to uh recapture that feeling and it doesn't quite do that i don't think anything really does yeah um i feel like pottery throwdown was the closest to that but you do get to see a lot more of mary berry which is great because i miss her on bake off a lot um and best home cook is basically uh like great british bake off but instead of baking it's cooking they do do some baking though too Mm -hmm. um but they also all live in a house together for the whole time Um, is that a covid thing or no um... nope it's just part of the show. So um, is there drama? No. Every, they good. just play like board games at night and it shows oh, them like, okay. <laughs> like playing charades and stuff. So yeah, I love that. Um, I think it's on HBO. It could be Hulu. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> and then I finally finished The Good Place. Um, I'm really bad at catching up with shows that are like on tv and then they come on netflix that type of Mm -hmm. thing so i only just finished it but it was so good and i cried a lot like more than i've cried at a piece of media like in a long time which i'm a big cry baby wow yeah 
I don't. Have you watched it? I watched like the first season and didn't keep up with it. Mm-hmm. I should watch it because I like Mike Sure and I like a lot of the writers on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good, and it was like I also another show that I like just finished in the same similar way where it was like I uh, needed to catch up on it was mm-hmm. Shit's Creek, and I feel like the ending of The Good Place affected me more because it was so emotional. Interesting, anyway. interesting. Okay, well, we this is not our November installation <laughs> installment. Um unless something very dramatic happened in one of these Jane Austen adaptations, a murder. <laughs> <sighs> yes. Yeah, we scrapped our Laura episode. We can't tell you why. <laughs> it's a mystery for another day. <laughs> Maybe if we ever have like a Patreon or become famous or something. And yeah, someone wants it'll to be a lost episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's dive in. So our first movie is Emma from this year. Emma Woodhouse is handsome, clever, and rich. At 21 years old, she sees no need to marry and is content living with her father in their estate and meddling in the romantic lives of those in her orbit. When she takes a naive local girl under her wing... Emma's meddlesome nature threatens to blow up in her face. I can't believe, like, this year has been so long I that I was like, Emma surely came out in 2019. But it didn't. And it might be one of the only movies that kind of gets Oscar accolades this year. Because it was yeah. one of the only big kind of Oscar baity movies to get released. Even though I don't necessarily think this is an Oscar baity movie because it's not geared towards old men who love war. Like war. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, it might have a chance at a few different categories for sure. Yeah. I feel like it is kind of slim pickings. I feel like most of the movies, or at least even if they weren't indie movies, seem like indie movies because none of they, them were Yeah, exactly. They're saving them all. What did, what did you think of Emma? What are your overall thoughts? I really liked it. Um, I, I mean, I love this type of stuff. <laughs> same. <laughs> so I knew I was going to love it. Uh, same, same, it same. started and I... I mean, I didn't know we were going to do this episode mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time, but I was comparing it to Clueless nonetheless, and mm-hmm. I was sort of like, this is no Clueless. Um, Clueless is also an Emma adaptation, mm-hmm. uh, if anyone didn't Hence know. why we are pairing them together. <laughs> yes. Um, so I was like already comp- comparing it, and I was like, this is no Clueless. It's, it's like just fine. Like, it's a fine mm-hmm. period drama. But then... Like halfway through, I started to get more into it, and by the end, I was definitely squealing when they kissed. So, same. It takes a few beats to get uh, kind of into the world, and of course, you can- one cannot help but compare every Jane Austen adaptation to Pride and Prejudice two thousand five. <laughs> um, but this movie is, I think, a lot more concerned with a certain aesthetic. It's directed mm-hmm. by Autumn DeWild. It's her first feature film, but she is a photographer and mm-hmm. a music video director who's done music videos with like Beck and Florence and the Machine and Jenny Lewis. Um, but you could see that she really has like an eye for, um, for like capturing, I think especially like large groups together mm-hmm. and, her camera work was really interesting at times or different. Like there were a few times when Anya Taylor-Joy as Emma was kind of like framed interestingly. Um, oh, yeah. The way it cut back and forth. Um, 
I was, conf- I for a moment was confusing her with someone else because I was like, oh, she was a fashion designer who, this is her first film, mm-hmm. but she's, she's a photographer, but I thought she was a fashion designer because the clothes in this movie are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that similarly to Clueless, the fashion is one of the most interesting parts of the movie mm-hmm. um, and it really elevates it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and totally. it's, it's cool that like a... I mean, I I read part of Emma like when I was in middle school, probably, um, mm-hmm. and did never finished it. So I'm not sure what the book was like, really. But um, it's interesting that both of these um, film versions mm-hmm. are so focused on fashion. That is interesting. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think it elevates the movies for sure, and it makes and it th- also both of these movies have such unique colors. Mm-hmm. And if you compare it to Pride and Prejudice in a very different way, like Pride and yeah. Prejudice is these more like muted earthy tones mm-hmm. throughout the whole time. And Emma is just like bright candy colors mm-hmm. the whole time, mm-hmm. more cl- closer to like um, Marie Antoinette. Yeah, vibes. it's like Eastery colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and interesting too that out of Jane Austen adaptations, these two would kind of, like you said, be more focused on fashion. And I think that's because this all of her um all of her works are about class in some way mm-hmm. but i think emma is perhaps her most kind of um like a fluent privileged character too mm-hmm. so she kind yeah, of gets yeah. to have these lavish wardrobes and she kind of is meddling a lot in the lives of people in her orbit who are of different social standings too mm-hmm. and costuming is such an effective shorthand to kind of explain that someone is of a different social class. So the, this adaptation of Emma really gives a lot more to do to the character of Harriet Smith, who her counterpart in Clueless is Brittany Murphy's Thai character. And in this, she's played by Mia Goth. And it's funny, Mia Goth and Brittany Murphy, I feel like had the same performance almost, you know, know, like, yeah, obviously Brittany Murphy's doing like kind of this accent that I could not place. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, they had like, kind of like this wide eyed, almost like gullible, sweet disposition, very similar, really, really Mm -hmm. similar in their performances. Um, but Harriet is kind of from unknown background. And so she dresses a lot differently than Emma who can wear whatever she wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked that. I know that like in, like I was listening to the pop culture happy hour episode on this. And Mm -hmm. I think Glenn was saying that, um, Brittany Murphy is like the heart of the beating heart of Clueless. Mm. And I was thinking about, um, Harriet and Emma and I Mm -hmm. feel like Harriet and Emma has almost more of like a, like a larger role in Emma. And I think it's because the, in Clueless, they sort of drop the, um, like instead of a, an additional person, mm-hmm. an additional suitor being involved with, like who likes them, Emma or Harriet? Oh yeah, the Churchill it's, guy. Yeah, it's uh, Christian who's like mm-hmm. just he's gay, and so that's why he can't date. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in Emma, it's like this. Like Harriet is involved in the, you know, another love romance. triangle. Yeah, exactly. Throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie, and it does feel 
like their relationship is just as important as um, the, the Mr. nightly. Yeah, for sure. In an interview with Kate Eberlin in IndieWire, uh, Autumn DeWilde said that it was a combination of a lot of discussions since Harriet had become such a huge character in the film because she's not always portrayed as prominently as she is in our movie. That was part of the design of us figuring out how to take everyone on this emotional journey with the two of them. I think by then we felt that we were going to be really invested in Harriet's future as well as Emma's. Even though it's called Emma, I plan on making an ensemble piece. And Kate Eberlin writes that Harriet's, hap- Harriet's happiness is deep, but the twist allows Goth's character to forgive Emma on her own terms coming to visit her at the Woodhouse estate Hartfield and fully healing the pair's rift. So I totally agree by like kind of making her have a bigger role and having her kind of almost like strike out twice. There's like more mm-hmm. of a tension. Like when Emma realizes that Harriet is into Mr. Knightley, it's so sad. And she yeah. realizes she's into Mr. Knightley because you yeah. care about both relationships so much. So that was really yeah. smart on their hand too. And also I was delightfully shocked to not shocked, but surprised to see like how gay Harriet and Emma's relationship seemed at times like it was like yeah. a second love story. I so I didn't read it like that. I just read it as like a very strong like friendship. Mm-hmm. Um but I can I like can mm-hmm. appreciate that reading for sure. Um I I think that it was like super sweet when like I felt like the moment that Emma sort of fell for Knightley was mm-hmm. when she saw him yes. dance with Harriet, like do yeah. this very kind thing. You're right, yeah. And I was like, okay, this is the moment, and it's when he's like helping her friend, and I was like, I can relate. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Uh, something else I want to talk about is how I relate to the worst parts of Emma, the character, so strongly. <laughs> She and and not so much Cher because Cher is like too contemporary where I'm like I'm not that kind of girl. Yeah, but Emma yeah. being like not being able to stop herself from saying shit. It like this. There's a pivotal scene where she's at a picnic with her entire social group, mm-hmm. and there's like one kind of like sweet but annoying character played by um, Miranda. Fuck, I forget her name, but her name is Bates in the movie, and I'm I want to call her Miranda Bates, but that's not her name. <laughs> she's great. But she she's kind of like doddering and oblivious, and Emma like makes fun of her in front of everybody. And oh, that scene was yes. excruciating to watch. Yes, excruciating. Oh my god, because we've all like done it. Like we have all said a dumb thing and then immediately <sighs> regretted it. It's just like you get caught up in the moment, and Oof. you say, "Yeah, <laughs> it was so and hard to watch." You see it too. You see Emma be like oh shit, like, should not have done that. Oh, that was very, very painful to watch. Um, And Mr. Knightley is played by Johnny Flynn, who I will say I was in love with in high school. And um, Wait, why though? You kept saying like you liked him and I was like, how do you know him? He's a folk singer. He um, is like a famous, like famous, not like super big, but he's a a folk singer. He's released like some songs with Laura Marling. Um, and I was just so into him. Like I found his private Facebook. (laughs) Okay. That's (laughs) very cute. And, um, his also, this is so random. His half brother is Jerome Flynn. Who's Brom on game of Thrones. Um, Oh yeah. And now I think he's like acting more, but he's got some fucking bangers and (laughs) they like had him write a song for the movie. But anyway, he is 37, which is like 16 years older. And I think the exact age difference as in the book. Oh, get out. Yeah. Okay. I was like, it is realistic for the time. Yeah. I, I like totally get 
the weirdness. I think that they managed for me that I they, they managed. He looks to younger than off. he is. Yeah, just also in terms of their chemistry. Like I think Emma mm-hmm. is like trying to act and pretty like honestly like mature for her age. I guess. Yeah. Um, but she runs also her own trying household. to act older. Yeah. Um, and I think. Night, the fact that Knightley at the end was like, I'll just move in here. You can stay with your dad. We'll both stay with so your dad. Sweet. So that, sweet. I was like, okay, you know, this no, 37-year-old man is fine. <laughs> it's funny that the, the chemistry in this movie, like, really, like, bubbles up so much mm-hmm. at the end. Like, it's kind of like a slow burn. And then by the time they're, like, underneath, they're underneath this um, tree. And she's upset because she knows Harriet's into him. And she has to make it right. And they're, like, they're both, like, realizing they're into each other. I was like, ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, I, again, could not help compare this to Pride and Prejudice 2005 mm-hmm. and how that movie I feel like everyone's bodies are like flushed all the time and like mm-hmm. sweaty mm-hmm. and they're like walking around in the mud and the dirt and everyone is a lot more pristine in this movie but there's still some like interesting incidents with bodies in the pivotal romantic scene at the end of the film the romantic climax Emma gets a nosebleed mm-hmm. um, apparently Anya Taylor-Joy could get a nosebleed on cue what? she like did it isn't that crazy? That is- she said it's her proudest moment as an actor. Oh my God. It's just nuts. But there's that scene. There's also, you see Johnny Flynn's butt as he gets dressed. And, and there's Emma's a butt? great, yeah, you see Emma's butt. There's a great little moment where she lifts her dress to warm her butt on the fire. And I feel like details like that are such a great way at kind of like uh, Greta Gerwig did in Little Women, like being like, these people are just people. They're, right. you know, like they speak fancy and they wear fancy clothes, but there's, they're still pooping and warming yeah. their butts and being silly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I like that a lot. Um, Josh O'Connor is in this and he's also in The Crown and he's like the villain of The Crown as Prince Charles. And he's a, the villain in, in this movie too, somewhat. <laughs> Wait, who is he in this movie? He's the vicar. He's Elton. Oh, Okay. Mm-hmm. There are two people from sex education in this. Oh, who um, are they? Mr. Martin and El- Mrs. Elton are both. Oh, okay. Yeah. England is such a tiny island. Like everybody <laughs> just pops up into everything. Like mm-hmm. uh, the governess, whose name I forget, mm-hmm. and Emma's older sister are both in The Crown as well. Oh, wow. As Josh O'Connor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's like it's such a tiny, tiny, tiny place. Um, something cool also is to read about how much Autumn DeWilde is like, I love Amy Heckerling, the director of Emma. Like, yeah. I love Emma as an adaptation. I just feel like you'd never see, I don't know, maybe you would, like, two male directors be like, I love this other adaptation. They're brilliant. Yeah. You know? It was like they were, like, hyping each other up a little, or at least mm-hmm. uh, Autumn was about um, Amy, which I liked. I like that a lot, yeah. And you know what's weird is that... Um, Mr. Martin does not speak very much in the movie. <laughs> yeah, not like, oh, yeah. If at all. Oh, really? Yeah. I was that's like, okay. that's a little weird. You know, yeah. he was nice to Harriet, you know. Yeah. And they were, very, they also were very cute at the end. They were very cute, yeah. Um, uh, she made me think I maybe should ble- bleach my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, maybe I'll look like Mia Goth if I bleach my eyebrows. Um, you know. She might naturally just not have eyebrows, though. I think maybe. I saw a TikTok, too, that was like, everyone looks better with bleached eyebrows. We should all just look like aliens. And I was like, should I bleach my eyebrows? I mean, it would match now. Yeah, Mackenzie has dyed blonde. Uh, okay, she looks a little weird in some pictures. <laughs> Not gonna lie. 
It makes you look like a little bit of a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's a look, though. It's like a fat. It's a style choice. It is a look. I really love Anya Taylor Joy and everything I watch her in. She's yeah, good. Me too. I remember reading that she hates watching herself and has like intense uh, face yeah. dysmorphia and thinks she looks like an alien. I'm yeah. I remember. wait. We've, we she may be our most covered actress. Maybe because we also talked about her in our lost episode where we the first ever episode that we re- release and then it's been deleted and lost. Oh in the, yeah, the witch. Um, no, 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 no. But even before that, where we our introduction episode where we were Whoa, like, why we, we were like, we want to see more of Anya Taylor Joy. Oh well, we have and are, and she's on the Queen's Gambit right now, which everyone's watching. Yeah, and it's like the most, you know, Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh well, one thing. So, how did you feel about the scene where everyone was dancing and where I think Emma? And Knightley realized they're in love. He does the mm-hmm. thing where he mm-hmm. saves Harriet from being embarrassed mm-hmm. by asking her to dance. What What do you think of that entire sequence? Well, I was thinking that, you know, in Pride and Prejudice, a lot of people were dancing. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know. Is that a trick question? No, it's just... Okay, so I've... Like, in Pop Culture Happy Hour... Sorry, I keep mentioning That's it. That's okay. I just... I love it, you know? Yeah, they're like so, our parents. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they, I think Glenn, well, pretty much everyone except Linda and she was the only straight person. So I was like, okay, this is some, she kept calling it heterosexual nonsense. And I was like, okay, I can see definitely sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) But she was like, it went on for two, like everyone else was like, the dancing went on for way too long. I was falling asleep and I was like, I thought it, I mean, I didn't think it was too long. I was kind of like, I can't believe anyone's tired because this is not very strenuous dancing. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, okay, maybe like some glances could be cut out or something. Okay. But I thought it was very it was important. essential tension. Okay. Also, it was like a turning point. A thing I wanted to ask you about. So Frank Churchill is a love interest for Emma for like a second. And then it turns out he's engaged to this other chick, Jane. But he was so mean to her. He made fun of her hair. I know. He's just a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, yeah. Well, that's what Knightley said. He was like, she's poor Jay and she's going to be with this asshole. And he was also mean. He was the one that like riled up Emma to say that. Yeah, he was. He was like, everyone's boring. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway, we hate jerks. Yeah. And And I think it was implied that he was trying to leave Jane and go to like, she was upset. Yeah, like, like I think he was trying to, like, go to Europe or something. And he was, like, because at the Abbey, yeah. when they're all touring it, and Jane goes to yeah. Emma and is, like, have you ever just been tired in spirits? And <laughs> Frank isn't there yet. Yeah. And I think it is, like, implied that. And then when Frank gets here, he's, like, Emma, I just want to run away. I hate being in England. <laughs> oh, God. So she I think it better. is implied that there was, like, yeah. a conversation or maybe a letter yeah. sent where frank was like i just want to move <laughs> i'm so tired of being remotely engaged to you <laughs> and never speaking to you in in person <sighs> do you want to i can't remember do we do one star reviews and then do we rate it or do we rate yeah. it okay one star let's reviews jump into one star reviews let's do it okay i'll read this um, first one 
took too long to get started, and once it did, it consisted of Anya Taylor-Joy mugging and looking at the camera desperately seeking to be the new It Girl fail. Like, this movie is about her. She is the title character. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, like, very, uh, it's a beautiful movie. Like, you can tell she's a photographer, the character, because it's, like, very beautifully photographed. And, you know? Yeah. And she has, like... I appreciate every... A beautiful portrait of Anya Taylor-Joy. Misogyny is hating a woman for being the main character in a movie and for looking at the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, This is the second one-star review. I wasn't interesting (laughs) at all. I originally love Jane Austen's books and movies, but this? No. Me and my four friends were extremely bored. I went out one time and almost fell asleep. This has never happened before. The music was no good at all. I also didn't love the music. No, I felt like too modern or something. Well, some people did say that that it was too much like Marie Antoinette's the Sofia Coppola Marie Antoinette. I just I also was probably comparing it to PAP, <laughs> the Golden Standard. Yeah. And the last one star review is: Where is the beauty in this movie? Anya Taylor Joy is not handsome at all. Her appearance is repulsive. So, this is so like, sad. Who post a picture of yourself? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy because she's so beautiful but also it's sad because she like like you were saying yeah. she hates watching herself in, in movies it's like shut up person yeah like, like take a good look gorgeous. at a normal person anya taylor joy <laughs> <laughs> go out into the streets and really look at people <laughs> mackenzie what's your final rating for emma <sighs> i really liked it i this is like i feel like probably not um a unbiased rating mm. none of them are none of them are well who am i kidding yeah like we are <laughs> we only know what we know i'm gonna give it like an eight yeah i because really liked it too yeah it's like uh, you know this is just my type of movie there, there's kissing oh yes yes that is something I, I meant to put in our notes is that we need to watch more movie with good kissing in it because there's good yeah. kissing in both of these movies oh so and it, yes, such a good kissing. This, so this kiss, it's 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 a build up. They do the build up so good throughout the whole movie. Well, second half, yeah. really good build up, and then it finally happens. And it's not just a little kiss. It's a big. I would like say this kiss is kiss. more satisfying than per the Pride and Prejudice, like agreed, afterward kiss. Agreed. It's a very okay. cute kiss. It's Thank a very you. very cute kiss. I'm gonna give it. Um, I'm going to give it a seven. I really liked it. I hope it wins a bunch of awards and not just because it's a de facto award winner. Um, but I am excited to see Autumn DeWilde do more stuff um, and more movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And Thank let's you. chug along to Clueless from 1995. Cher Horowitz, like her inspiration Emma, is also handsome, clever, and rich, while also being a virgin and bad at driving. Cher lives in LA with her litigator father and her ex-stepbrother Josh. Like Emma, she can't help but get over-involved in the lives of those around her. So everyone's probably seen Clueless. Uh, even though this, I feel like it wasn't one of those movies I watched a lot growing up. Like this is probably my second time watching it. Um, I've probably watched it a few more times than that, but 
I also don't think I watched it that much growing up. I think mm-hmm. it was just like when I got old enough to like know about movies, I was like, oh, this is a blind spot. I need to see it. <laughs> yeah. And then it became one of those movies where I was like, oh, I like to watch this. Mm-hmm. So I'll put it on. I actually, I think I just watched it recently. I'm not sure when, but yeah. And it's one of those films that I really feel like people overlook costuming great costuming as being like an essential part of a great film because Mm -hmm. the costuming of clueless has become like a shorthand for the movie where Mm -hmm. i feel as though like people 10 years younger than us or more would know and recognize um the film because of its costuming like if someone wore a costume Mm -hmm. to a party you'd immediately know you know Mm -hmm. tiktok has um this one like audio um noise that's a clueless remix like oh my god i'm totally bugging oh it was his 50th birthday (laughs) um it's so it's just had like this long legacy because of that uh because of like its rich visual language and that's a total credit to amy heckerling the director and mona may who did the costume design and i uh, we read this article about the clothes in vanity fair uh, which she actually had a surprisingly small budget for clothes and kind of had to be really thrifty and thoughtful about what she put everyone in. And there's a scene when they're in gym and like everyone, everyone's wearing like black mm-hmm. and white outfits, but they're not like a uniform. And she was like, ideally I would have done the whole film like that. Like everyone would have been kind of like matching in a way or like wearing mm-hmm. variations on something, yeah. but it only really worked out for the gym scene. Um, yeah. Cause at the very beginning I, of the film, well, like Dion I'm and honestly go on. like glad that it didn't ha- like, Mm-hmm. I feel like it would have been overkill kind of. Yeah. It would have been too stylistic unless uh, like character driven or something. Yeah, exactly. And something interesting they also said is that um, Brittany Murphy's character is more middle class. And so she is in jeans often and Sharon Dion never wear jeans, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. I also side note, really love how nice they are to her. Like, I feel like in another movie they would have like been mean to her. Or she would have had like some sort of been like bullied, but they're so accepting of her like immediately, which I really liked mm-hmm. and thought was very sweet. Yeah, it is nice. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like it's weird too, though a little bit because they're nice, but with motives like evil motives. With yeah, with motives to like change her into mm-hmm. a different person so that they can like really be nice, like You're actually right. be You're her right. friends. Right. For sure. Um, that is a little weird, uh, which I think is like more, uh, like obvious in clueless because it is in high school mm-hmm. than Emma. Cause who just like, like might get her life changed by marrying her up, you know, and Emma, right. it's like, I could improve yeah. your whole standing in the world rather than, it. <laughs> but that's a good reason. Like that's a, why the adaptation works too, is that, you know, mm-hmm. high school is basically like its own weird stratified caste system, mm-hmm. uh, just like a Jane Austen novel. Um, Mm -hmm. I was also surprised. I watched these two movies basically back to back. How, like, I was delighted to see the parallels. Um, you know, like, and cause I was, I I knew that Clueless was based on Emma, you know, Mm -hmm. but I, I didn't realize like how many of like the same plot devices would work in like Elton, um, like making her take a car ride with him or making her take a carriage ride. I was like, ah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I know. Sam, I watched them back to back too. And I, because I had never read the book and didn't have anything to compare Clueless to, really, because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen, I think, any of the other, mm-hmm. like, um, like Emma movies, if there are multiple ones. I know there's yeah, at least yeah. one other one. But, um, but yeah, it was very, they were very similar. Mm-hmm. 
So I can imagine. Like, I think that you're right. That high school is just such a good, you know, canvas for kind of any <laughs> adaptation. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I feel like Meg Cabot did a book series where she did... Like the Legend of Camelot in high school, so it was like I a think King Arthur did. character. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna look that up as soon as we're done. <laughs> um, another thing that has really lasted about this movie is like the lingo it introduced. Um, you know, like as if, mm. get a clue. Mm. Um, I wrote down my favorite term that I heard uttered by a teen, which was a good healthy boink fest, uh, <laughs> which I just loved. And Amy Heckerling <laughs> said that. One thing that, this is a quote from her, one thing I love in movies is the language, and my fair lady, what you say defines everything about you, how much money you have, where you grew up, everything. I wanted to incorporate that, incorporate that in a goofy way and also mix it up. This movie is also, like, really funny, and, like, it's very, yeah. like, knowing about who M- who Cher is, you know, and I like that it both establishes her as maybe being kind of, like, a frivolous and self-involved person, but she is also, like, ultimately good and um, smart too you know she's not stupid yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think um both of these movies do uh show emma slash share mm-hmm. in uh, like as a flawed person but mm-hmm. also not like totally making her a bad person mm-hmm. um like obviously she uh makes mistakes <laughs> and thinks she knows everything but doesn't really know everything and um but you never feel like she you you're always like rooting for her to like be a like if if not um just be herself to like get better and like you have faith that she will you Mm -hmm. know she's she's not malicious in any way i think for sure she always has the best intentions i almost think that clueless maybe would have benefited from there being a more dramatic conflict like there wasn't emma like i really feel like at the end of the Mm -hmm. movie emma you're like oh shit like emma has to atone like emma has to fucking get on her knees and beg mr martin Mm -hmm. to take care of it you know like she has to fix what Mm -hmm. she messed up i feel like it's Mm -hmm. a little less bumpy for Cher. but i wanted to Mm -hmm. read this quote from mr wallace sean who played mr hall the teacher he is you know he's the inconceivable guy from the princess bride he's also a famous socialist which i think is kind of cool but i think he summed up this movie in a really nice way um, I also found that part of the plot so moving and adorable the way they set us up Mrs. Geis and myself the decency of these characters and the way they do nice things not really out of principle but more out of instinct in this world that Amy has created some of the rules of the world are set up so that people learn to be more compassionate and nice to each other and understanding of each other without consciously adopting new principles this is the meaning of the film which I thought was like a really sweet way of uh, interpreting the movie and both movies really yeah. you know it's about people like learning to be better people yeah, yeah, I mm. love that. And that's probably why they're so, like, enduring and why we all love them so much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do agree with you that uh, their clueless would have benefited from, like, a more dramatic, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like, climax, I guess, where... Yeah, it just kind of ends. Uh, yeah, or, like, where Cher, Cher, where it, like, turned on its head and, like, yeah. Cher had to sort of, you know, and she did sort of do that where she was, like, donating stuff finally to charity, but it's sort of muddy in how it yeah. gets there, I think. Yeah, or, totally. And I think it is partially due to sort of the backseat that Ty ends up taking mm-hmm. um, and the thing that Emma did so well, which was bring Harriet sort of up mm-hmm. to be just as an 
important character as um, Emma. And I do think that a big difference between Clueless and Emma, even though Emma is literally just named Emma, mm-hmm. I think Clueless um, up- applies its title to many characters throughout yes, the movie. For sure. But it's really about Cher. Like, mm-hmm. Cher is the, uh, like, from start to finish, she is like the main character. I think she narrates she it. Narrate it. Yeah, yeah, and um, so it feels less of like an ensemble almost. Mm-hmm. I think than it's like the share show, yeah. which is like I love share. Like I love the movie and I love share. It's just mm-hmm. like a different thing that this movie did. Yeah, Alicia Silverstone, I think, is underrated for how good this performance is, and something that kind of went viral a few years ago that really underscored just how good she is as share was W Magazine does these videos where they have like our actors audition for like different famous parts. And they did a confirmation video of a bunch of male actors. I put it in the notes, uh, auditioning for the part of Cher. And it's like Jake Gyllenhaal, Bradley Cooper, Seth Rogen. Uh, who is that guy who was the other Batman? He dated Emma Stone. What is that man's uh, name? Wait, Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Andrew Garfield. And like the funny annoying thing is they all do the share lines like like the Haitians can just come like they do her like a total ditz oh. and I'm like Emma mm-hmm. that is a misunderstanding of the character Cher yeah. is not stupid you know mm-hmm. and yeah yeah uh Alicia Silverstone is just like so charismatic she's adorable in this she's so like aware of what she's doing with her face and mm-hmm. she has the best hair on a human being maybe ever it's Mm -hmm. so luscious (laughs) yes yeah that yeah i think it's just like an underrated performance you know i actually so this is maybe going to be a little bit of a tangent Uh but it is just the parallels are so Mm -hmm. intense i have to mention it um i just watched the paris hilton documentary called this is paris and she is like um you know, we all think of her from The Simple Life, mm-hmm. uh, where she was like, I don't know, how do you use mop? Like, and she's like, that's hot, yes. Like, she just, like, mm-hmm. is talking in this, like... Um, exaggerated, ditzy... Yeah, exaggerated, ditzy voice, but she's actually, like, super smart, and it's all just, like, a character, basically, mm-hmm. that she's playing, um, because she was abused as a teenager, um, and so she like put up this persona yeah. and is like now feels sort of like trapped in yeah. it, but, um, it's very sad. But anyway, it reminds me like that perception must be similar to, I guess, how those men are viewing Cher, mm-hmm. even though it's like, actually, if you just listen to what she's saying, she's she like, also does use like really big words a lot. Like they, yes. they kind of tease Ty about it. They're like, this is a right. good school. <laughs> Yes, yeah, exactly. It's just, it really is just like the cadence of her voice. It's like people can't get past it, I guess. I remember, this is also a tangent and kind of personal, but I can remember in high school, like, I would kind of like Paris Hilton knowingly Mm -hmm. say something that would perhaps make me sound stupid, but like, I was in on the joke saying it, or I, Mm -hmm. like, was fully aware that I was trying to do it to make other people laugh, you know, and that, like, Mm -hmm. I was playing a character, and I can remember knowing that boys were laughing at me and not knowing I was in on the joke, you know, not knowing that I was purposely being funny or being a clown and like thinking that I was stupid. And I was like, I'm not going to stop doing it because you don't understand. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That just reveals something about them. Exactly. Exactly. But I think about that a lot. 
Um, there was a kind of racist line in this movie at the very beginning with Marie and Dion where, uh, Shara says they're like Ike and Tina Turner. Not that one. It was like one of the only ones I caught that was like, that really did not age well. That they also really, say really did not age uh, well. the R Oh, they say word. the R word too. You're right. You're right. That a one few, surprised me. Like a couple me. times. That one surprised me. Um, it's always so, it's just so jarring to hear stuff like that now when it's like no one no says one says it. that, yeah. you know, um, cause we just know not to hopefully, mm-hmm. oh God, hopefully everyone knows mm-hmm. not to, um, but yeah. Okay. What is your favorite outfit in this movie? Oh my God. Um, oh geez, Bridget. I don't know. Okay. Think about it you- for a second. I just want to okay. also say that Mona May in the Vanity Fair article pointed out something I thought was really interesting that neither Cher nor Dion wear stilettos or low cut tops. Cause they were like, they're 15, you know, yeah. like they're high school students, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. They do wear heels a lot, um, yeah. which is still like, uh, like, all right, wearing high heels in high school is like, uh, is psychotic. Yeah. But. Oh my God. <laughs> I think I really love, obviously her first yellow plaid suit is iconic, like literally iconic that she yeah. appears in. Um, mm-hmm. but I really liked her workout outfit. She wore like this tartan plaid bodysuit to work out. Oh and yeah. I, like, I really like that. Mm-hmm. I like her going I like out too. outfits when she goes out with Christian mm-hmm. and she's in like this little white dress with a, a gauzy top over it. Um, I'm looking, sorry, I had to Google pictures no, of that's okay. outfits, but I really like, um, Dion's outfit. It's like this red, um, mini dress, long sleeve mini dress with like a big white collar and mm-hmm. white ruffle, um, like r- white ruffle collar, mm-hmm. uh, sleeve on the sleeves peeking out with uh above the knee white socks and it's giving me like sabrina vibes and because i just bleached my hair i'm like oh sabrina Sabrina. (laughs) um but i also um yeah i mean i love the uh the plaid yeah um many good plaid instances yeah Let's oh, see. you know what we haven't talked about at all, which we should before we wrap yeah. it up, is that Paul Rudd mm-hmm. is in this movie. Oh, yeah. I think he's so cute. Yeah, Paul Rudd's very cute. Um, and they do a good job of, you know, building some chemistry between them, too, I mm-hmm. think. I really totally love agree. when, like, they're... She's like some. She's like this might be crazy. This might sound crazy, but I sometimes I just love vegging out with. Yeah, <laughs> more than going. Out. Yeah, it was so cute. They're very, very cute. Moment. Even though it is weird like, that they that that he spends time with them. I, it is weird. I was like, I, you, you know, know how long they were married for? You know, like how long? Yeah, if they had shared a home for like two years. I would be like, okay, they're, they know each other well enough for him to come yeah. over. Yeah. Also like, you know what? People just build their own family. You're right. You're you know, right. like it's like clear that he had a unhappy home life with You're his mom right. You're and his right. You're right. bad stepdad. So if he felt, plus like it was also, you know, he was kind of like his apprentice. You're right. <laughs> his lawyer apprentice. You're right, you're right, you're right. I was surprised at Emma. I was like, oh, okay, they're not actually, like, step-siblings. They're just, he's yeah, like a family friend. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah she kept and she kept repeating it too yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> that should have been a sign yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's like because every time they talk she's like you're not really my brother yeah <laughs> it's like okay um <laughs> why do you keep saying that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um okay let's jump into one star reviews which are very funny for this okay do you want to read the first one so the first one star review for Clueless is, and what is with the computer program that picks out her clothes? Honestly, she can't get her ass <laughs> off her ass with the A is an ad sign and go look in the closet. Exactly. What kind of school allows you to walk through the door dressed like that? Anyways, let's go. It's a very good school where they're all learning a lot and have a lot of extracurricular activities. So yeah, it's a, it's a very good school and you know, she looks really good and there are apps that do that now, I think. Yeah, I would assume technology yeah. has caught up to Clueless in 1995. <laughs> um, the second one-star review is, Every time I see someone who loves this... Every time I meet someone who loves this movie, I mentioned that it was based on Jane Austen's Emma. Then they usually reply with, No, it wasn't, in a high-pitched valley girl squeal. Or, Who's Jane Austen? And this person fucking wrote Jane Austen's name wrong, and it was a man. And I was like, How dare you gatekeep Jane Austen to women? <laughs> Ooh. hate it but love yeah clueless. i hate that <laughs> yeah i'm i'm gonna give clueless uh a six i really enjoyed it it's not my favorite teen movie i feel like if you had grown up watching it you'd like it more it'd be more endeared mm-hmm. but i enjoyed it and it was really fun to watch it back to back with emma um i'm gonna give it an eight because i you know i feel like after at first I was going to read it an eight and a half, but then after talking about it and mm-hmm. then talking about Emma, I was like, you know, I like them mm-hmm. both the same. Um, really like both of these. Movies. I love them too. I'm so happy we did this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and our lost Me episode too. will never be released. <laughs> yeah. Um, it would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod or email us at chickflixpodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will air on December 14th, and we'll be watching the new Christmas films, Happiest Season and Christmas on the Square, the Dolly Parton one. <laughs> I was like, I forget this long-ass name. Um, Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grief Carlson for our music, and thank you for listening to Chick Flicks. Bye. Bye. Bye.